welcome to the Resilient Birth Podcast. Hi, I'm Justine. And I'm Sarah. On this podcast, we navigate the world of trauma in the perinatal period, both personally and professionally. Justine and I believe what is uniquely beautiful about this podcast is that the you as our listener can be the perinatal professional or the you who desires to have a family, has a family, or may have lost children. We hope you can find what you need as you listen, connect with our vulnerability, and feel witnessed in others' experiences. We talk about trauma on this podcast, so please take care of yourself and meet yourself with kindness and grace. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another week with us. It's Justine's week, so I'm really excited to hear what quote she brought in and what discussion unfolds live with everyone. So here we go. Justine, you're up. Oh, thank you so much. We were just chatting before this and and I was like, should I share my quote ahead of time? And then I was like, no, no, I'll, I'll save it and I'll keep the surprise on what we're talking about. So I'm excited. This quote came out of a, a return that I made to some of my own writing. And I am currently preparing, I don't think I've even shared this with Sarah yet. I'm currently preparing a talk because I applied for a conference here in the UK. And so I'm preparing a talk for that conference. And I thought, okay, well, why don't I just check back on my last birth plan and see what from that birth plan could I potentially bring in as material for this talk on giving birth as a survivor. And so in that return, I thought about my birth journey and the creation of this birth plan. And so today I decided to bring in a quote from my birth plan. And I'm hoping that maybe we can have a conversation about birth plans and what they do and how we think about them. And also a little bit about my story on creating my own. So this is the quote that I have. And it's in a section titled, What I Carry Into This Birthing Journey. And this was a section that I actually wrote first for myself. So it was what I, it was almost like the starting place for then the birth plan that I developed for my home birth team, as well as a second birth plan that I had in case of a a transfer to the hospital. So what I carry into this birthing journey. I carry two previous birth experiences, one negative and one positive. My negative birth experience has given me a fear of hospital spaces, especially if I do not know the staff or will have to interact with many different people over a long stay. I am afraid of coercive and dismissive care. I am afraid of care that is not trauma-informed, for example, not stopping an exam when consent is withdrawn and in which people do not facilitate my voice. I give birth in the knowledge that trauma can be activated in my body when I feel unable to control what physical touch is placed upon me. So that was the starting place for what then became my birth plan. And yeah, I just thought that that might be an interesting beginning for a conversation with you around the topic of writing birth plans. Yeah, when I hear your words, I think about how important it is to sit with our reflections 
and to sit with what we hold and what we carry. And what I heard was that you have the right to feel safe, to feel heard in the birthing space. And those past stories of not having that in your first birth makes you want to cling to that need even more. And I think we can, we're not thinking about birth in that way. We can get caught up in the how we're going to birth, you know, like, I don't want this intervention or this intervention, or I want this one. And I just hear your words and I'm like, that matters in such a different way than how our body and our baby comes into this world. Right. And, and as I said, these were the words that kind of started the development of the plan. I repeat several times, I'm afraid, I'm afraid of this, I'm afraid of that, I give birth in the knowledge of this. That's a story, right? It's not just that there are, here are my fears, it's like there's a story here around what I'm holding and what I'm carrying, and what I'm carrying is, is a fair amount of, of fear. And some of this material I did share ultimately in the birth plan that I gave to my team. I edited it, I added some words, I changed some words around. I actually made it a little more direct. I wanted to contextualize any asks that I had. So I wanted just to have, here's what I'm holding. This is the why. And we don't necessarily have to give the why. It's not ultimately, I think, an essential component of a birth plan. Sometimes we just say like, this is what I need and we don't need to explain ourselves. But I do know that people tend to respond with more understanding when they understand. And so by offering a little bit of like, here's what, what I'm worried about, I felt as though then I could share what I needed and that that would almost be safer because it wouldn't seem so outlandish. And it actually carries a particular weight for me because I was having a home birth, the stars aligned, and I was going to get the midwife who I'd been seeing throughout my pregnancy. She was on call in a system in which I wouldn't necessarily get that continuity of care, but I knew that she was on call and knew I was going to get her. And then she messaged me about two hours before she was due to be on call saying that she couldn't come. And she wasn't going to be there at the birth. And at the time, that felt really scary. I'm carrying a story around unknown care providers. So even though I was at home birth, I still was carrying that story. And I had been kind of preparing myself for, okay, you know, anybody who's on call could come, but they're probably going to be a member of the home birth team. And my birth plan will have been shared around the home birth team. And they like home births because they're on the home birth team. But unfortunately, when you're on call midwife here in Edinburgh, when you're on call midwife can't make it, it isn't another member of the home birth team that comes on. It's actually a, one of the community midwives who steps in, who would normally do births at the hospital. In some ways, this is a wonderful thing because it means that we have an integrated system between home birth and hospital birth, and the midwives who are attending hospital births also attend some home births. And so as a system, it's actually a positive. But for me, it felt nerve-wracking because not only was I going to get an unknown midwife, I was going to get a person who, in my imagination, doesn't even like home birth. <laughs> 
she doesn't even want to be on the home birth team. So like, she's not going to be the one for me. So when she arrived, there was this kind of energy. I had an energy. She had an energy. She's like walking into this unknown space. She didn't even know that she was going to be on call, right? Because she's the backup. So she's only had a little bit of time to adjust to the fact that she's attending a birth right now. And I'm very skeptical and my labor's slowed down and it's sort of a tense moment. And I remember I was in the pool and she's like, do you want me to stay or do you want me to go? Because it's, things are not looking super immediate. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I just don't know. And I don't know her and I don't know what she wants. I'm very people pleasing when I'm in labor. So I'm like, do what you want. And she's like, okay, well, I'll, I'll just stay for a little bit. And I'm laboring in the tub and I look over to the desk and I see that she's reading my birth plan. And I'm like, okay, well, that's good. And then I have a contraction. I close my eyes and I look up. She's still reading my birth plan. I have another one. I look up again and she's still reading my plan. And my plan was quite long because I had different sections for it. I mean, this is part of what Sarah and I do with our people. So we have a plan that is just for the person giving birth, right? And so there's a whole section that is just for them. And then there's a plan for your partner and a plan for your doula, if you have one and a plan for, I had like a a home birth plan and I had the hospital birth plan. So each one wasn't particularly long, but the whole package of them Mm -hmm. is quite extensive. So over the course of several contractions, I see her and I see that she's not just reading like the home birth one. She's, she, you know, cause we've put them all out on the table. She's reading and reading. And I start to relax because I'm like, okay, right. She's taking the time to read my voice, to hear what I have to say. And she's going to know me now a little bit. And I stop paying attention. <laughs> Don't even know when she stops reading. I couldn't tell you. And the baby was born about, it was within the hour of her arrival. So actually things moved pretty fast from when she had arrived to when my baby was born. And I really do credit that to this experience of being in the tub and her sitting and reading the plan. And she was very respectful of all the asks that I had made in that plan. But in some ways, what was more important was the time that she took to get to know me. Mm -hmm. My birth could have gone in quite a different direction. Like there was this moment of this potential disjunction and splitting of trust. And maybe she'd have been great anyway, but I don't know if I would have, it's more like what happened inside of me that matters, right? So she might have been trauma informed and she might've been still asking my consent and, and doing all the things that I had asked for, but I don't know if I necessarily would have settled or as quickly as I was able to, had I not been watching her read my words. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really powerful when we watch someone that are asking, take the time to honor what we need mm-hmm. because she could have gotten down next to you and been like, how are you doing? Like, you know, and, and just leaned right into trying to connect with you, but she did connect with you by stepping back, giving you space to process, find your own safety and to recognize the work you did to put these documents together. Yeah. And she did do some of that, like connecting or face to face with me initially. Mm -hmm. It was almost like that discussion that we had between the two of us. She's trying to work out whether or not she should stay or should she go. 
And that didn't feel like the question or the the space that I wanted her to come in with. So she's trying to assess where am I at with labor? And I'm like, are you a safe person? (laughs) But also feeling guilty if I've called you in in the wrong time. So I'm also having this dual perspective of, are you a safe person? But also, oh, maybe we should have waited a few more hours and then asked for you to come. So we didn't really click. Like she, she didn't do anything wrong. She didn't ask any wrong questions. All of her engagement felt appropriate in terms of mm-hmm. way in which she was responding and talking. And so there was nothing wrong, but I just didn't settle with her. I didn't feel okay. And that comes from that place of distrust. And I think that's an important point to remind every provider. And it's not just with people who carry trauma. When you are walking in this space to meet a birthing person, you are a stranger. And just because you have letters after your name and you studied about birth and whatever your qualifications are, you are someone that they have never met before. Potentially, I'm saying like, even on that first meeting, there's always a time where like it is that first initial meeting. Mm -hmm. And we think that because of our educations and our experience that 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 leads to natural safety in the space. And it's just a good reminder of what are we practicing within those first few moments to hand over power, Mm. to build trust, to build connection, to build safety. Because I too would have that similar reaction if someone like came up and was like checking on me, like, how are you doing? And I'm like, I don't even know if I can share with you how I'm doing because I don't know you. And like, what are you going to do with these feelings? So before we go into that questioning place and that checking in place, how do we build that rapport Mm -hmm. in this space? Yeah, it's a really good question. As I said, I don't think that she did anything wrong, but I do wonder whether, you know, what would the energy in the space have felt like had the kind of questions that she had asked moved more initially, moved more in the direction of, or maybe even less questions. I wonder, like, I, I'm, I'm kind of curious about, you know, maybe like less questions and more like, I'm here and I'm here to give you what you need. And I want to let you know that even though you haven't met me before, I'm happy to be here. Because I think that was one of the things that I worried about was that because she had been called in as the backup and she doesn't normally attend home births, I worried that she didn't want to be there. Mm -hmm. Like maybe she had other plans for the day. This wasn't what she had in mind. And so I think even coming in with, I'm here, I want to be here. Let's just take a moment. Let me, what's what's going on? And then I'll ask you some questions in a little bit but I'm here to support you and we'll work out what you need. I think that maybe that would have been a more direct route for me to then have settled into that feeling of safety. But she found a way of giving me what I needed through then that taking of the time to read my words And because I had put down quite clearly how I wanted to be treated during birth, I felt a sense of relief because I felt her settle into that. Obviously, if I had written a different kind of birth plan, 
it would have still mattered that she read it, right? Like it would have still mattered to me that she had attended to those words, that she took the time. So it's not just what I said. It's also the fact that she cared about what I said. But for those of you who are listening right now and thinking about writing a birth plan or helping someone write a birth plan, there is a real power in sharing how you would like to be supported, not just what kind of birth you're hoping for and whether you're hoping to have a water birth or a birth with an epidural or a birth without an epidural or or whatever it may be. So for example, I had my different headings what I'm carrying into this birth journey. That was the first heading on my plan. And my next one was my biggest concern. So I, you can tell I'm really worried. I have a lot of anxiety going into birth. So I needed to share like what my biggest concern was so that they would know. And then my next section was emotional support and decision-making. And that's where I really set out what does the emotional support that I need from my midwife look like and how can they help me with decision-making? And that's where I really talked about what I need to feel in control and what I need to feel safe and what I need to feel heard. And then I had a section on if I'm struggling, what that would look like and how they could support me through that. And then how I feel about labor, how I feel about pushing, how I feel about after the baby is born. And again, really trying to kind of connect to that emotional place, not just the, oh, I want delayed cord clamping, but these are the things that I might have some anxiety around, or these are the ways you could help me with something. And I had a section on in the event of a transfer and and a section on cesarean birth. So, you know, I, I had different sections, some of which are maybe more familiar to people. But I think with this focus on emotional support, I was able to share the words that I couldn't share in labor. It would be too much to kind of verbally dump on someone. So I was able to give it to her in that birth plan and and I was able to watch her read those words and then able to feel her decide to stay and to put into practice what I asked for even though we didn't have a relationship and we didn't necessarily start off in this warm, fuzzy, safe kind of way, even if she wasn't the perfect midwife for me, she was still able to give me what I needed, which I think is quite a big deal, right? Like that somebody who's not necessarily your perfect midwife or not necessarily your perfect OB, not necessarily your perfect labor and delivery nurse, but who is still able to respond in a way to your request or to your presence or to what you need to give you enough of it that you are then able to settle hopefully into more of a safe experience or safe feeling within yourself. And I think that's what's uniquely beautiful about the birth support plans and the emotional support plans we have created and we're doing trainings around because it really does provide these tools so that like if a person takes the time to look at the document, then they can lean in and give you what you need in these moments. And I also think what's really beautiful about the document, you said in the beginning, you know, like she got to know me. The reason why she got to know you is because you got to know yourself while you were creating it. And I think, especially when we walk with trauma, we can get really disconnected from ourself and that like deep knowing of ourself. And part of birth and postpartum is being able to lean into that trust of who we are and what we're capable of doing. And I think when we build these birth support plans or these emotional support plans, it's like this reminder of this knowledge within ourselves of what we need, of who we are. 
it's a connection if a partner's involved, like who are they and what do they need? Recognizes what we need from different people, like different people have gifts to us. As we can get in this narrow mindset that when we're full of fear that like everybody needs to give us these things in order to feel safe. And then when you take this step back and you have someone walking this and helping you create it with you, like, oh yeah, my doula is really good at this. They can give me this because my partner fills that other gap. And then this medical provider can fill this one. And we learn that our world and our supports can be so much bigger and so much deeper than we thought because we don't have to get everything from everyone. And we also learn again how much we get from ourselves. So I think her knowing came from your knowing mm-hmm. and reconnection with who you are. Yeah, thank you for that. That's really helpful in terms of thinking about why it was that I chose the quote that we started with today to begin this conversation, because that quote wasn't even fully what went into the plan for the providers. That was, I kind of started with for myself and I wrote more for myself. I had more on, on, you know, my resources and what I could give to myself. I wrote about how I wanted to feel, but this starting place and the starting place for our conversation today, but also the starting place of the, the plan that I wrote really helped me clarify, like all of those fears that I had kind of listed, helped me clarify what areas of support I needed. So then once I had worked out, okay, I have a fear around unknown people, particularly unknown people just doing things. So then that really helped to make me make sense of what my ask might be, which was that I needed a lot of consent seeking behavior from whoever was interacting with me early, like not just for the big cervical checks, kind of major procedures, but also for small things. And I needed it early in the interaction so that I could build trust. So I asked for those early consent-seeking behaviors in order to build trust. And it helped me clarify that that I needed to, to have a section on if trauma does get activated during birth, how I would like my provider to respond and what would be helpful to me, what potentially wouldn't be helpful. So that starting point, that exploration that I did of what I was carrying really built the plan, even though that wasn't necessarily exactly what they read or received, it built the, it was kind of almost like the foundation for what then I put into the document and also what I put into the, my own space in the section for myself. Like, What is it that I could give myself in uh, response to these fears? And what, what did I need to lean on in terms of support from other people, including my, my husband and, and my doula and my parents? Like, I, had another, I had a whole thing about my other children um, so like there was a whole other story that I was carrying as well around how they were going to be and how they needed to be taken care of that really I held very strong in those weeks leading up to that birth. And I really needed a lot of support around what was going on or what would be going on for my older children during the birth. So, yeah, so thank you for sharing that. It wasn't just, okay, here's this like amazing plan that I gave to my midwife, but also but really like that work ahead of time about uncovering what it is that, what is the story that I'm carrying? And from that, what is the ask? 
that I need to make of the people who are going to support me through this experience. And that I think is one of the reasons why seeing her read it was so powerful because I felt, as you said, like she knew me because I had uncovered a bit about myself that I needed to know as well. I needed to know that. And I think what I really also enjoy beyond like this deepening of ourselves is this connection with ourselves is that this can be adapted to meet your client and who they uniquely are because it can be broken down into little chunks. It can be done in like a longer session. Like maybe you're someone who likes to like pour it out and like have this big release or maybe you like to take it away and like do some deep work with yourself at home. So you found out for yourself, okay, it just started with this like reflecting and reconnecting to your previous birth and what was coming up and just like writing and letting that just like come out of you. Or for someone else, it might start with like a different beginning to start their reflection because the main goal of what you created and what we hope other people create is that connection around what do I need? How do I want to feel when I meet this soul, these souls for the first time? How do I want to feel in those moments? And I truly believe we have the right to feel how we want to feel. Justine and I are and no birth work and can guarantee like how you're going to birth or when baby's going to come, but we can try to protect with all our might how you want to feel in that space because it's a right to meet this person feeling in a way that feels connection and safety and being seen, heard, and in control. So Thinking about what takeaway I'm carrying out of our conversation today. And I think it's the insight that instead of maybe asking questions, what I needed in that initial contact was that sense that I was safe, that reassurance that I was in safe hands, and that she wanted to be there. And that's a a new insight. For me about my birth, that, that there was this moment. And one of the reasons why that interaction still felt a bit disjointed was because I really wasn't sure that I was safe yet. And I really was, and I was trying to persuade her that I was a good person. Like I'm a good person. I know about birth. Like I know about my body. I know that we called you at the right time, even though it doesn't necessarily look like we did. Yeah. And and so rather than leading with questions about me and trying to get to know me, I needed to hear, I'm here. I want to be here. I'm going to try and give you as much as I can the birth that you want to have. That's a really interesting insight for me. And I'm, I'm really grateful for having discovered that. And my takeaway is somewhat similar to around the question asking, but it was also listening to you talk about consent. I think we can get wrapped around consent as being like more physical. Like, can I take your blood pressure? Like, can I touch your belly? And I'm like, should we asking for someone's consent to even ask questions? Maybe they're not ready for questions or maybe they need to just sit in quiet with you for a minute, you know? And, And I just had never really reflected on, oh yeah, that should be another ask. Or is even this question feel safe to answer? So just as it's broadened my perspective on consent and even using it around our words. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed listening to our conversation today. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode. And if you liked today's content, please subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode and share with a friend or colleague. 
And if anything came up for you on today's episode, please take a moment today to take care of yourself, reach out to some supports in your community, and if necessary, reach out to a local mental health professional.